Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we have Robin Hartman, who is an initiator, business builder, future thinker, but number two in the household. And uh, welcome, Robin. Thank you, Peter. So Robin is located outside of Amsterdam, Netherlands, and has two very interesting organizations that he's connected to. And we'll get to those in just a minute. But first of all, Robin, tell us about your education. Where did you go to school? Yeah, I went to school, uh, I think you call it the high school over here in the Netherlands. Um, and it's, it's a nice thing to tell because my eldest son, he's not just doing his exams. So when I was his uh, age, 18, then I was wondering what I'm going to study. And then I had a neighbor and he was, uh, I was doing his PC and the programming stuff. And he said, why don't you go to work? We have we have lack of good programmers in uh, with this millennial problem. And if you go, you, you can get a car and uh, go to work, get a salary, and then do your education in that. So I I did uh, I did education within the company. It's called Gtronics. Maybe you know it. it. Has been a worldwide company with Wang Global. Um, yes, and so I did. So I did uh, information management at and uh, uh, twenty years ago. And. Are you still doing that on a part-time basis, or? I was um, I was in uh, in IT uh, for about uh, ten years. Then uh, and then we get to the to the social innovation companies we we started. Um, but I did I did IT for a year or ten, and yes, but that's for later. I, I'm I'm partly back in IT, so I I, I haven't done it for fifteen years. Okay, so. One of the main things you and your wife set up was something called Autism House. So yes. let's let's start, first of all, for those that aren't sure what autism is, can you explain what autism is? Uh, yes and no. Um, I, I can explain it in terms of what's currently know, known about autism. So um, you have many versions of it. Um, and and the, but the main component is I think children with autism don't develop in a natural way. So we need to encourage them and have some programs to to get out what's inside. Um, and to jump back to the no, I cannot answer this because I think there are many. I think it's abilities, but they call it disabilities yeah, with dyslexia, dyscalculia, but also high sensitive persons or higher functioning persons. Autism Asperger, like Elon Musk came out. I think it's mixed together, and they are all part of a neurological part of the brain. And it, if it comes together like this, for now we call it autism. But in future, I think we have many different aspects of that uh, to be defined. Uh, you and your wife had a reason for starting this organization. Can yes. you tell us the story? Yeah, I, I can tell the story. The story is about Thomas. I was just mentioning him. Eh? He's in his 18th uh, now. But when he was about, I think, two uh, years old, then in the Netherlands we have this uh, organization that is 
taking care of the development of children. If yeah, you go to it like a doctor and everything is well, it's okay. But Thomas has a kind of flat line in his de development. So then the alarms went off and people get involved in your family situation. And I think it's a nice thing. Um, and they came up with this thing called um, yes, disability on speech, but also yeah, he was not e able to walk too. So they very early had this diagnosis of classical autism combined with a low IQ of about 60 or 70, I guess. Um, and that was a starting point, point of our uh, uh, yeah, organization because when we got a diagnosis, one of the options was place him out of home to a traditional care institution. But that was just one second of seeing Thomas laying in his bed and then imagining him being out of home. It was just a no-brainer that, that we are not going, going to do that. So we found out a program, I guess it was from the United States, and it was on two, two pillars based. It was science-based on the development of children. And the second part was believing in the children and having a real connection with them. And if you combine that, then you have, yeah, you can have amazing results on, on what, what these kids can, can uh, achieve in terms of development. It's interesting. Uh, this week there was a news item in North America of a two-year-old who was identified as Mensa with an yeah. IQ of 140, which is really amazing. Okay, so let's get back into this. So for several years, you had to deal with a son who had these, let's call them medical issues. Mm -hmm. And how did you do that? Did you both stay home or did one of you go to work or how did it work? No, what we, what we, we, we found that program from the United States and then we investigated if, if that program was running in the Netherlands too, but it was not. Uh, but there were some, um, uh, some people, some mothers doing that program with their kids at home. So um, I was in IT then, so, and Dineke was doing secretary work. Um, so Dineke decided, and we both decided, we are going to do this program, and Dineke is going to run it because she has a natural, I think, gift of, of, of CC. I think she can, if, if you have the, the, um, the horse whisperer, I think Dineke is some kind of autism whisperer. Eh? She has, has this gift of just seeing the kids and she, know, she knows how to handle and what, what's going on. But, so she stayed at home, but then um, because it's a very intensive program, one-on-one, -on -one, she also got these volunteers and she was working with volunteers um, in, the, in, the, in this program. And it was, a, yeah, I think it was for about 40 or 60 hours a week, 10 hours a day just doing these uh, exercises and uh, getting giving feedback on it. So that was quite intensive, but we saw the progress and that was a party every time for everybody involved. If the program, progress was there, then uh, we had a kind of party and it, it gave us the energy to go on. And I think, but it's a hypothesis, um, that in a normal child, you have kind of linear growth. And I think in, in childhood, autism, we find some kind of exponential growth, but you, in, in the beginning, you don't see much progress, but if you keep pouring the energy and the love in, then it, 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 it goes, yeah, amazing. So Thomas has changed over the years. How, how has he changed? I think 
in the beginning you you um you just see the 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 what's but you don't see the inner side of a person so i think he was very active in his self in himself but we we didn't saw that so he had some abilities he, he was very keen at very fast building blocks and and doing it for hours and hours so um but and we 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 gave him this information and exercises and then yeah it's it's like you do it 10 times and then the 11th time in one one time he does it so so it seems like he is not not getting it and then suddenly out of a box then bloop, he 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 learned it and he does it so it's 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 very amazing to see it and but he has developed more and more um uh, i think he's now if you compare him with other childs of 18 i think he's in the same same um he, he's doing high school class so he's in the same partitions if you if you if you compare it but in the beginning he was very very much behind but then uh, yeah he, he he got got back to the to the west so what's his next step is he going to go on to a college or a university or it's, a, it's a, nice, a nice question he like i was doing uh, at my 18th and i was going to work in that it company thomas and his brother set up um yeah, this is the second uh impact uh company we uh we do it with our with the four of us uh, dinika me and, and my two sons and thomas was not he, he he had not decided what what study he wanted to do and he liked the work we are doing with uh, with the second uh, company so we, we made this decision because his younger brother is also doing exams next year that he he's he's doing the company for a year and then they are both looking what they want to do after that and it, it can be running the company but i think i will encourage them to to both eh, also have some kind of study behind it so how do brothers get along yeah. How? How do brother the brothers get along? Do they fight? Do they? No, no, no. Nay, I I think it's they are made made for each other. So, um, I I think Raymond was also wondering. Um, he is one year younger than Thomas, but he was he he had not this disability of not walking and so on. So, but Thomas was seeing what he was doing and he wanted it also. So I think he he gave him much motivation to get up and to get to the same level, but they they they've they, they've been lovely to each other and and not sometimes they have some argue, arguing but then they are not uh, clashing each other and and not smashing and so so they're it's it's more in words if they have some argue argue but not with fighting. So was Raymond aware that Thomas had a a problem? I think in his early childhood he was not aware. Um, but uh, he found out when when he was going to school and Thomas was going to another school. It was not a normal school, and, and then he and he he was asking questions about it. Why is Thomas not going to the same school everybody is going to? And I think he also noticed, but that was the good part. We had the, these volunteers at our home, and they loved Raymond as well. So he had he got a much one-on-one -on -one attention as well. So I think it was a good uh, part. Okay, so Robin, let's let's move on to the organization. How long has it been going, and what do you do? Yeah, we, if we go back, I think we have just had our ten year celebration because we we opened up in uh, two thousand eleven, 
we made the plans in 2009. And yeah, basically what we wanted to do is the same program we were running with Thomas to make it available for more families because not every mother or mother and father are able or have the energy to do these kind of programs. So, but in the in practical way, it's not possible to have one-on-one -on -one or 10-on-one. -on -one. We, we got those 10 volunteers for every one child. So, so we, we get to it, but it's not, it's not exactly the same, but we, we do offer the same program in, in Autism House. So on the website, it showed you had different locations where yes. you offer the services. Can you explain that? Yes, they, 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 these locations are not um, spreading in, in regions, so they are in the same region. So it's 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 there. What we offer is is different. We we had this, the first location was offering um, the service for children from four to twelve years old um, that went to school. So after school, they they came to us and we educated the parents on them, and sometimes they stayed the night. Um, the second part we the second location we have is is about very intensive program i think that's the most uh, like we did with thomas so it's one on one with an uh, eba program from the united states in, implemented as well and we have the third part it's not it's a location but it's more like an office and there the the employees are flying out to the homes and schools where they are needed so it's more more the, we offer the the same kind of programs but then at home or at school or where where it's needed so with the pandemic, how did that change your offering of these programs? No, I think the, it was quite impactful because in the beginning, nobody knew what was going on. Um, call it luck. I, was, I had some contacts uh, from China, and so I, I, I knew already what was going on and also that it was aerosol-based and so on. So we, we were able to to buy some masks, some, some medical masks, but also to, to focus on the ventilation. So we made our locations very safe before that, that was regulated uh, with government. And then we, I think in the Netherlands, we always had the possibility to stay open. So everybody was, it was the first lockdown, but it was not, um, if you had good re regulations and you had good, um, um, yeah, a good safety in place, then you, you could stay open. So I think we did a good job on that too. But we changed some things. If, if people were coming to the office, then we said, oh, we're going to have a walk outside and then do the the the, the talking um, for more space or with ventilation in it. So, But we we, we, we just went on with, with giving the care that was, we didn't stop. But there were many organizations stopping. So it for the mental care, it, it was not a good thing, I think. So talk about partnership and the importance of partnership to your organization. No, we've, we've many, I think we are in a difficult market. We are not a commercial organization. Like if you have, for example, an IT company and we do the marketing for my customers and if I make the customers happy, then it's okay. Because the programs we offer, the, the care is being, um, we do it for the children and the families, but they are not deciding on what caregiver is needed. So we have those local municipalities, they decide what care is needed. And if that goes okay, it's okay. But if that goes wrong and the family doesn't want the care or they want the care 
from us and they are not allowed, then it gets a bit difficult. So, but we, we, we like to partner with the municipalities and give them information on what we are offering and how we can uh, do the best with them. So in cooperation, and we also have partnerships with the, yeah, I, I think you call it the, in Canada, um, it's, it's more psychologists and uh, psychi psychiatrists. Psychiatrist. I don't know. If <laughs> Sorry for that. Um, these are big institutions. So we, we are partnering with them because they, they sometimes do the, um, the diagnosis and then we follow up with the programs. Uh, but so also with schools. Oh, sorry. So, Robin, you, you're doing an awful lot. Where do you get all the funding to support these programs and the organization? Now we have three parts of, of funding. And in, in the beginning stage, we, um, we had an investor involved who uh, had, had sold his business and wanted to do some good for the community too. So he made some kind of, it was not called a social investment in that days, but I think he did yeah, with his heart. Um, not with a normal return on investment, but, but with another, yeah, with, a, with a good feeling and, and, and doing good. Um, and we get funded with, we changed when we saw the, in the Netherlands, we had these healthcare system changes because the healthcare is getting very expensive. So when we saw that, we um, also applied to be an organization that came into a qualification for payments of the government within this system. So that's the second part of our. Uh, financial uh, incomes and the third part is that we have some foundation around it sometimes you are eh, we are needing things but they are not needed but they are very welcome for the children so then the friends of autism house can can sponsor it or donate for that how does the government react do they see you as a competitor for some of their uh hospitals or health I practitioners? Think, I think the government is well aware of the, the problem we have, and I think it's it's a problem in all the Western world of the care getting expensive, more expensive and more expensive. So I think they see us as a welcome new sound um, because the, the, the power was with it, the big institutions I just mentioned with the psychologists and so on, and they are, they, are very big and not willing to change. They are more focused on the organization than on the outcomes or the people, I think. Um, so the government is wanting to change the healthcare system, but it's it's very difficult. It's, it goes very slow. So I think we have a good business case. For example, if I, I tell some numbers, we did a very intensive program. And if you say that program costs about 150% uh, of a normal care project, and you do it for three, two years then it's okay that's over and then you, there's no care needed anymore but the normal the standard thing is the the government or the local municipalities they are getting down on on the on the on the on the money so they do it they want no it's it's not about 100 we want 75 yeah. reduce the tariffs but many organizations are not able to give the care and then they have to go on even care for, for about 10 years. So 10 years of 75 is much more than two or three years of 150. So, but that, that business case is clear to us and to the parents and, and to the society as well, uh, as well, but it's not fitting in the annual based uh, 
have predictions and, and the system we are in. So it's, it's, it's quite difficult, but we are a welcome sound for, for, the, for the renewal, I think. Now, as I said in the introduction, you're a futurist. So I want to put you on the spot and say, where do you see this organization three years from today? Is it going to be all over the Netherlands? Is it going to be in different countries? Uh, we, are, we are having different lines on that. We are having um, more regions asking us, can you come over to our region? So we, we are positive in that. Um, but we first investigate what, what is available in the region and how, how is the region thinking about care on the long term. So and if it fits in, then we go there. So I think in three years we have... Uh, I think we have we we have more regions to to um, to go to, but also um, we are setting up this uh, in the European Union. We have many countries and they are all struggling with the same problem. So we are getting connection with other autism-related initiatives, and so not everybody is doing the same thing. So yeah, united, that, that's just, so maybe we are crossing the border as well. Netherlands is very small. Um, and I'm doing some some things with 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 the tech part. I have contact within Silicon Valley, and I think there are yeah there are developments. They are very nice and welcome to healthcare as a whole. So, I think what I'm hearing is you're going to be creating social franchises. And, yeah, some kind of I think yeah. And and that can be a revenue stream as well. So it's something that. You know, if you put together the manual and you find a, another a group that wants to implement that in their community, you charge them a fee and then you provide them with some coaching to show them how to set it up. I, th I think that's, that's, very, that's a good idea, Peter. And then I just had a conversation this day because many, I think it's the mothers, very many mothers of children with autism want want the change in the healthcare system so they want to set up some some kind of what we are doing but they they are more of giving the care to the children and not about having these systems and finance and administration and loans and investments and so on so i think it's good it, it can be a good combination to to give just a formula and and provide all the necessary things in place so they can focus on, on giving the, the, the care that's needed. So I, I, I love the idea of social franchise. So before we get into the second company, t tell me a little bit about the importance of educating the parents and the rest of the family, as well as the individual that has a form of autism. Yeah, I think I think it's very important to have some general in information on autism within the family because yeah, we had the same thing in the beginning. We didn't know what autism, what is it about. So then we go searching ourselves, and I think I'm pretty good at searching deep. So, but not everybody is, and there's lots of information. So, what is what is the right information? What do I need to do? What are the most common things that go wrong, and what should I do about them? So, I think. It's very important to to have information, but also education, because the child is within the family, and he, and he is maybe for some hours with it within our, our um, facility or in school, but he's more hours at home. So it doesn't make sense to do a nice program elsewhere and then come 
home and do the old behavior thing. So I think it adds up if you can also educate the parents and engage them in the program to to have the same approach to the to the to the child. Okay, now turning to your second organization, which I gather is fairly new, the Digital Document Solutions Organization. Yes. So what's that all about? That's I think a bit of a coincidence, but but I love it because. I was in IT. I told uh, told you before. So I like IT. I like com- computers and programming and 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 doing that stuff. Um, I think a year or two ago, we were having this dinner with my sons Thomas Raymond and with my wife Dineke, and we are we were talking about going to work and learning, working, earning money, and yeah, they were talking about yeah, we can go to the supermarket and do some things, but we don't like it. We like and we we like the PCs, and I was. Oh, I was thinking about oh I I have some old former colleagues they are doing things with um, digital archiving and I had contact with him and he was he, he had thought about it and he said oh I have these notaries they are having chambers full of paperwork and it needs to be scanned in and the scanning is not the, the main thing but the preparation of the documents they they have these uh, staples in it and uh, plastic and so on. So I thought, ah, we maybe we can make some nice combination of it, preparing documents, but scanning it in. So we decided to do that. And we, we got a bunch of documents, I think about hundred thousands of uh, uh, yeah, files from the notary and we, we were scanning it in. But we also saw the software we were scanning in was very old fashioned. So we, I love IT source. I, I, I was looking around, is there another software? Is it why can we not automatically uh, have these files with the notary and, and uh, take information out of the scans and uh, combine it with, with information he has already? So we did that and, and, and we found that the company within, um, and we call it Argaio. Um, and the, the nice part is, yes, uh, Thomas, my son, is working it. I, I think he's doing very well at it. And But we also have other... I think these are young young men working with us, and also young women. And we see the children with. I think it's a gift. Are very good and accurate at scanning and preparing and so on. So I think they are. I have some connection with with the autism part and IT, and I think it fits in well. So that, that that's 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 what I'm about. So this sounds more commercial than a social enterprise. Yes, a bit, a bit. You, if, if, yeah, you, you have commercial versions of um, companies scanning in documents and digitizing it. Um, now we, we've two different things. We offer the the techniques to smaller companies. Normally, they are not able to have these uh, big systems because they are very expensive. So, and we offering also the the scanning part. We we offer it cheaper. For them so they can do it as well because we can have these um people who are normally not able to work and we have them work in the company and in the netherlands then you get some some i think it's about a little funding you get um uh, you have not to pay much tax like normally so yes it's it's like commercial but yeah we i think we have a social impact a motor within that's terrific 
So you're a service company and a consulting company. Yes, because in, in the beginning we were just servicing, but we, we noticed the notaries were also asking questions about how can we get these files automatically and can I have uh, the, the data uh, out. So we offer also advice on how the data can be um, be part of their normal business uh, information they have. So this is a company that could go across Europe. It's not limited to Holland or Netherlands. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, it, it, and I think Europe is, is is perfect for it because in the European Commission there, I think everybody is looking at the, the United States and China about artificial intelligence. So there are big programs on getting more innovation and getting more artificial intelligence and more. Um, so and if if we look over the border to the to the to the right, we have Germany and Germany is having these nice industry. Uh, yeah, nice industries, but they're way ahead in terms of digital and also we have the friends the same so i think from from within holland we can offer some nice solutions for the and it, it will fit in within the germans and the friends and then uh, so yeah. today we've had robin hartman an initiator a business builder a future thinker so robin what are the websites that people could go to to get more information yeah, you can go to uh, LinkedIn and get connected with me if you search for Robin Hartman, and then you f you find some guy with Altisma House and uh, Argeo. That's me. But also, if you go to um, uh, House, but it's that's the Dutch version. It's uh, if you translate it Altism Home, but it translated to Dutch. .nl or Argeo .nl, then you then you will find us. And if you can't find it, I think you uh, should uh, give Peter an email and he can uh, provide you with the links, isn't it? Robin, thank you for your time. And uh, I hope you enjoy reporting to your boss, your wife. <laughs> and uh, I will. Your, your, your boys are doing uh, very well. So thank you for your time. Yes, you're welcome.